Hi, this is Pastor Craig. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. You can contact us at studyhiswordministries at yahoo.com. Thanks again. Good morning. This is Pastor and Bible Teacher Craig Heilman. Welcome to Study His Word, the radio ministry of New Hope Christian Ministries of Mount Gilead, Ohio. We are an independent Bible teaching ministry committed to bringing the clear and accurate teaching of God's Word to you. This morning, we continue with another study in our series from the book of Ephesians. If you would like to hear previous studies in this series, please visit our website, www.newhopemg.org. So now, grab your coffee and Bible, and let's get started. Verse 18, praying that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And I think I stopped... Last time covered the first part of that and didn't really finish it up very well. He talks about uh, the hope of his calling. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So that's, that is really what he's saying here is that you may know what your hope is. And your hope is that in times past, as a Gentile, you were completely cut off from from God. You weren't part of the nation of Israel, and so you were without God and you had no hope. And so now, our calling to be followers, that is our hope, that we're not cut off from God, that we can have eternal salvation, and that we can have that relationship of God. So that's what he's talking about as far as the hope of our calling, our calling to be saved. And he says, and, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Well, we've talked a little bit about this before. The riches of his glory are that inheritance that our spiritual needs are satisfied and those spiritual needs that are satisfied, the major, major ones are is our freedom from sin or our freedom from being a slave to sin and our fellowship with God and our fellowship with God both here on earth and then after we've passed away. And that is the richness of our inheritance. Okay, he goes on in verses 19 and 20. And what is, that is that Paul wants them to know, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Paul's wanting Christians to understand the greatness of the power of God, to have this picture of God's power. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Speaking of Christ, buried with Him in baptism in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. This is that power that God is talking about. And the power is the power that God, God had to resurrect Christ from the dead and... It's that power that gives us salvation. The, you know, the creator of everything has the power to raise Christ from the dead. And we know in the future that all 
people that have died will be raised from the dead. That we as believers, we, it, it tells us in Scripture that we will be changed in a twinkling of an eye. You know, God has the power to raise all the dead saints instantaneously, simultaneously, and change us into whatever form He chooses to change us into. And that's the power that Paul's talking about here when he talks about the power of raising Christ from the dead. It's just a picture of the power of what God has. And Paul wants, Paul wants all believers to, to understand this amazing power that God has. And that's what gives us hope, to know that God has that power to do that. And that's what gives us hope. Let me go back to verse 20. It says, The power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Okay, Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, a couple things I want to say about that. This is David talking, and he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. That is God speaking to Christ. When, when, Paul, when uh, David says, the Lord, God, said to my Lord, that would be Jesus. And, and David refers to him as my Lord because, and this is a, um, um, a title for him, because as promised to David by God that the human king of Israel, the Lord, would be descendant through David. And so David is saying, the Lord said to my Lord, you know, David's king at the time, and he's talking about my Lord, the descendant through him, which is going to be Christ. But he says to him, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Back in verse 20 and 21 in Ephesians, when Paul says, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, the right hand, the position at the right hand is the position of power. So this is when God seats Christ at his right hand. That's a position of power. It's where God gives Christ dominion over everything. That's where we get our phrase, you know, somebody's right-hand man. You know, you think about it, that, that common phrase, you know, he's so-and-so's right-hand man. That's, that's that person's power, you know, that person's position of power is at the right-hand side. So the right hand is that place of power, and the footstool, when he talks about, you know, being, being uh, the footstool of the enemies, that's a picture of victory, you know, to have something under your foot, to have dominion over. So he says, you'll make a footstool of the enemy, victory over. And we know that's what Christ has done, has given us victory over the enemy. All right, so Paul goes on, verse 21, says, and placed him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that age which is to come. And when it says he's placed over all power and principality, and uh, actually principality and power, understand to the Jewish people, this would mean angels and demons. When we see that principality and power, that would mean angels and demons. In other words, that Christ is going to be above all 
spiritual beings, whether they be angels or demons. And that's what Paul's saying here, that God has placed Christ above all, above all people, above all names, above all governments, above all spiritual beings. And that's very important to understand because our victory over Satan, our victory in our lives over sin is given to us because Christ has dominion over demons. And while we know that for the time being, Satan is in control of this world, he and his demons, it's limited control. Satan and his demons are only able to accomplish here on earth whatever God allows them to. So even though Satan is, quote, in control, it's limited by whatever God allows. And that's all part of it, that Christ has dominion over all powers, all principalities. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, him being Christ, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Again, it's referring to Christ, that His power and His name are above all names. No matter what name a person calls on at some point in time, every knee will bow to the name of Christ. And, you know, woe to those that reject Christ in this life. It's really hard to imagine what that moment is going to be like when you've You've rejected Christ all your life, and then that time comes when you come face to face with the reality of Christ and who He is. All right, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. This is Paul speaking. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's just a complete statement of the power of Christ. That nothing, and Paul, and Paul covers the gamut there, but nothing can separate us from the love. And what I find very interesting is when you, when you read in verse 38, he says, Paul starts out by saying, For I am persuaded. You know, you stop and think about it. For Paul's... You know, earlier life, he was, uh, you know, he was a Pharisee, um, and he was very religious, but yet he was completely separated from God. We know about his conversion and everything. And I mean, to me, that's a very strong thing where he says, for I am persuaded. You know, that's I am convinced. You know, nothing is going to change his mind. So it's a very powerful thing. And all it is is just a statement, again, of what he's saying is, is the power that God has given Christ the power that Christ has that nothing, nothing can separate. And he even mentions about the powers and the principalities and angels and, and, and all of that. And, it's not, and he says in verse 21, and it's not only in this age, but also in that age which is to come. And that's just our guarantee that we have. Verses 22 and 23, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And there again, it's, he talks about the, that all things were put under the feet of Christ. And again, you know, that, that phrase, that picture of something being under the foot is 
that foot, that person, has dominion, has victory over it. And so he's what he's saying is, you know, Christ is over all things. All things have been put under it. And then he goes and says, and, and God gave him to be the head over all things in the church. We are the church. And he is the head over all of us. And he says, and which is his body. You know, we, we the church are the body of Christ and he is the head over us. Psalm 8, verse 6. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Again, it has Christ has authority over all things, and he's been given that authority by God. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. For in him dwells all the fullness in the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And again, Paul's just explaining that, that we are complete in Christ. We are the body of Christ. He's the head over us, and through Him, we are complete. That's where all of our spiritual powers come from, come from Christ. That's what makes the body of Christ complete. John chapter 1, verse 16, And of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Had us look at that verse to reinforce the fact of what it says. We have received it all from Him, from Christ. We don't have to wait to receive spiritual powers. Uh, We don't have to wait to receive anything. We don't have to get a second blessing. When we become saved, we are complete. We've received fullness in Christ. We as Christians just need to learn to understand that and need to learn to understand what all it is that Christ has done in our lives and what what is capable through Christ. It's there. We've received it. One other thing along this line of the grace, another thing to kind of keep in mind, in the Old Testament, God dealt with nations. For instance, his, his, His dealing was with the nation of Israel. He had a plan, he had a program, he had a purpose with the nation of Israel. When the nation of Israel turned to him, he would bless them. When the nation of Israel rejected him, he would bring judgment against them. He dealt with nations. Under grace, God deals with individuals. Deals with individuals. In John, they they are still under the Old Testament law. You know, because... When you read the Gospels, you know, Christ told His disciples to follow the law, to obey the laws. They were still under the Old Testament law. They were still under the Mosaic laws. So that's Ephesians chapter 1, and I just wanted to real quickly kind of recap that prayer of Paul's there, those last six or seven verses of Ephesians. He's praying, first of all, he's thanking God for the believers. He's praying that their eyes would be open to the wisdom and the understanding of God's power. And that power is demonstrated in the resurrection of Christ and also will be demonstrated in the resurrection of all believers. It's that power that gives us all the spiritual gifts and all the spiritual blessings that he gives us. And it's the grace 
that we're given to experience all these things when we don't deserve it, and that we can live a Spirit-filled life, and having done nothing on our own to deserve that. And that's kind of Paul's prayer there at the end of chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll go ahead and start and move right along. It only makes sense too because he says, and... Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We all start out dead, spiritually speaking. We all start out dead. He says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Jump down right there in chapter 2 to verse 5. And he says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Again, he's just reinforcing that point that we all start out dead, spiritually dead. And then Christ makes us alive. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. This I say, therefore, and and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of the heart. So we'll say, Paul's saying, don't live like them. You've been made alive. You've been made alive of of Christ. And the others are still walking around in their dead ignorance blindness. And Paul's saying, don't live like that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And again, he's just saying, you know, you were dead in your sin. You were dead in your trespasses. In the uncircumcision of your flesh. Keep in mind that in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, they were required to to be circumcised to show their relationship with God. And so the rest of the world, the uncircumcised, they had no relationship with God. And that's what he's talking about here. You were, you were dead in your trespasses. You had no relationship with God. You had no opportunity for relationship with God in the past. But he says, now, um, he says, he's, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And again, it's all trespasses have been forgiven. Back to uh, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And you were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Okay, So we once walked course of this world. And all that is, is that's just a statement of the system that this world operates under. The sinful nature of of how things operate today in the world. And he said, you know, you were once part of that. Um, it's basically, it's, it's living by man's values and not by God's values. And he says, you know, you were once walked in that world and was ruled by the prince of the power of the air. He's referring to Satan here. And that's, that's as we know, that Satan is what is in control of this world to a point. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, that would be any unbeliever. The sons of disobedience are people who 
um, aren't following God. You know, we, we look at what is going on in America today, and we can see all the changes. For those of us that are old enough, we can see all the changes in America today and what America was like when we were kids. I mean, I look, I'm 50, I'll be 57 in February, and I look at America today and I say, this is not the America that I grew up in in the 60s. And it's not, you know. I mean, we have a, a, a Supreme Court that has legalized abortion. We have a Supreme Court that has legalized gay marriages. And, you know, we see all the other stuff that goes on in, this, in America today. The thing we must remind ourselves is that America has been an exception in the world. The first 200 years of this country, evil in this country was greatly restrained. In the United States of America, we had a society that lived by, or let's say, did a very good job of living by God's moral standards than the rest of the world. And understand that even in America during that time, when people weren't believers, they still respected God's morals and lived by them. I mean, even when I was a kid in the 60s, the majority of Americans weren't believers. But there was still that respect for God's values and God's morals. And that is very quickly going away today. And really what's happening is we're catching up with the rest of the world. Because, you know, you can read anywhere in the Bible and you can read about all the horrible stuff that went on during Old Testament times. And we see ourselves approaching that. But that's the stuff that's been going on in the world throughout history. And we were this little pocket in the world where we actually, you know, there was, it was because of the way the country was founded and the way the country was set up, we actually had a restraining force against evil in our little pocket of the world. And now we've seen that eroded away. And for a lot of us, it's like, you know, how far down can this country go? Well, the answer is, we'll know when we catch up with the rest of the world. Because <laughs> as, as bad as it seems, for the first 200 years of this country, it was, you know, this country was so much different than the rest of the world. Um, now Satan's getting his claws in us. John 12, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And again, it is, you know, Satan is the ruler of this world. And there will come a time when he will be cast out. While it can be very disheartening what we may see happening in our country, we need to understand that that is the reality of what is going to happen. And if we expect our politicians, our government leaders to change things, then we're sorely mistaken. Because they're, most of our government leaders and politicians aren't believers, and they're operating by world standards. So for us to expect them to change our country in a positive manner is expecting them to do something that they're not going to be capable of doing. As a believer, we understand that every problem we have in this world is sin-related. doesn't matter what the problem is, it's sin-related. The only answer 
to solving those problems is to deal with the sin. The only answer with dealing with the sin problem is through Christ. But you can't have politicians who are going to get up there and say, we can solve our problems through Christ. He won't do very well in the election, but it would be true. Christ has to change people's hearts one heart at a time. And that's the only way we can deal with any sin issues. It's how, we deal with, it's how you and I as believers dealt with our sin issues was when Christ changed our hearts. And that's the only way we can solve our country's problems is through Christ. But I was all that in John there when he was talking about, you know, who is the ruler of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Basically, he talks about the God of this age who has blinded people, and that is, that is again, Satan, who's, who's blinded people. Just reinforcing the fact of as, as much as we may not like living in this world, as we see our country go down the tubes, that is the ruler of this age. Satan is the ruler of this age, and he's the one that's in control. I want to finish out Paul's sentence here, verse 3. And he, he says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So there again, Paul is just reminding us that at one time or another, we all conducted ourselves as the world does, as, you know, children of wrath, he calls them. Because uh, that was our nature. And, and we, we live to fulfill the desires of our flesh and to fulfill the desires of our mind. And so that's why, again, I get back to all the problems that we have are sin problems. Why? Because people are seeking to fulfill the desires of their flesh or their mind. That's why, that's why people take drugs. That's why people rob and steal, because they're fulfilling their desires, their lusts. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So even he's been talking here in Ephesians about how we were at one time children of wrath, and that we were walking in, in our lusts and our desires of our flesh. And that's what Paul's saying, walk in the Spirit. And that's what gives us the power and the victory over the lusts of the flesh is when we walk in the Spirit, we have that power of the, of the Spirit. Thank you for listening to Study His Word radio broadcast. Study His Word radio broadcasts are brought to you by New Hope Christian Ministries of Mount Gilead, Ohio. For information regarding our Sunday evening Bible studies and other ministries, please visit our website at newhopemg.org. Please join us next week at this same time on this radio station for another broadcast. Thanks again for listening. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single episode of our podcast. Have a great day.